0: So, I actually owe you an episode Because I really should be following up on episode 14 And here I am recording episode 19 So I'm like five episodes late So those of you who are binge listening You're like, where's uh, the second half of episode 14? And I had this all set up two days ago I was ready to go And I had to change my plans. So a lot of podcasters out there like to record multiple episodes at once, maybe record three or four or five or whatever and have a whole bunch ready to go. And and that's fine if they want to do that, but that doesn't really work for me. And because I tag my episodes at the very end, the episode number and the release date, um, And I just did that so that I could just have my own little logging system and library. And just when I go back, I can remember when I released stuff, but that's probably not necessary information. But um, I like the ability at the last minute to come up with a new show idea or something that just really hits me in this work that makes me say, okay, I got to do an episode about that, like right now, while it's still in my spirit, while I'm still feeling passionate about this subject, and that's what we have today, because today, we are going to discuss visit frequencies. This is James Dibbon, and welcome to the Hospice Nursing Podcast. (laughs) Well hello, fellow hospice nurses, and welcome to your show. That's right, this is the only show that provides practical help for hospice nursing success. And I am your host, James Dibbon, with confessions of a hospice nurse dot net and hospice com. So welcome and thank you for joining us. On this episode, and as promised, we are going to talk about visit frequencies, because that has just been this reoccurring theme that I have just been running into over the last few weeks, either at the Hospice Nurse Support Group on Facebook, or maybe just in... Uh, my ventures at work, and I just decided, you know what, I am going to get out there on a podcast episode, my philosophy, as it were, and my decision-making process on visit frequencies for our patients and how I come to those decisions. Um, and I want to start out with a little bit of a disclaimer. And because we actually were having this conversation at com a little bit, and one of the nurses in there, who I'm going to mention later in the show, shared with us her visit frequencies and strategy, and it's very uh, uh, company-driven and so I just want to remind everybody that agency policy and expectations for visit frequencies or really anything that your agency has set forth will always, 100% of the time, supersede anything I have to say on this show. And, and, and I'm sure you know that, but I just want to make sure for anybody out there listening that at no point am I trying to overturn what your are Agency has set forth in their policies and procedures and their standards because all agencies are different and different areas of the country are different depending on traffic and travel times and things like that. And so I just want to maybe make that comment, but I will also say that if you're in leadership of an agency, well, this might be an opportunity for you to rethink your agency's visit frequencies, especially. And this isn't even in my notes. But especially if you have really high live discharge rates uh that are not related to decertification or, or no you know determining patients are no longer terminally ill, that's kind of different. But if your agency has a very high live discharge rate of revocations and trips to the hospital, this might be Useful episode for you as I kind of share at one of the agencies I've worked for that will remain unnamed. When I got there, their live discharge rate was in the 40% range. And by the time I left, I had it under 20% by helping this organization to implement a little bit different way of thinking about their visit frequencies. So we're going to discuss that today. And I wanted to make mention of the 90-10 rule that we have here at the Hospice Nursing Podcast as a reminder that this is 90% of the time that, and I feel like everything in hospice and maybe everything in life, our goal, when when your goal in your life is 100% on many different things, uh, you might be setting yourself up for failure because it's hard to achieve 100% on many things in life. And, and so there's always that outlying 10% that you might not be able to close the gap on for various reasons. And so we're always going to make an allowance for that. But I really do believe that our visit frequencies are the single most important thing that we can do for our patients. And this show is very much about how I can help you. And some of it's Um, like the whole bedside charting thing and some different things like that, or how you can help yourself avoid burnout. And I believe the byproduct of that also serves our patients well, because if your nurse isn't burned out, you're going to get better care from her or him. But when it comes to one of the most important things we can do for our patients, besides listening to them and things like that is our visit frequencies and how often we see them, especially As we get started taking care of them right out of the gate and Medicare keeps it kind of vague on, on visit frequencies. And probably the main reason for that is because our, our patients should have individualized care plans. And obviously we are going to have those patients who the very first time you see them say, honey, I just need you one time a week. And we're going to talk about that here shortly. Um, But but you know the the medicare doesn't tell us exactly what to do because they want us to meet the patient's needs and so that could be one time a week that could be five times a week that could be seven times a week that could be twice a day for two weeks like whatever our patient needs we need to be willing to do regardless of how convenient it is for ourselves or our agency but the one hard and fast rule that medicare has in place is that the patient needs to have their, um, you know, some kind of a comprehensive assessment or update to the care plan every technically it's every 15 days if you get into the regulations, but most hospice agencies call it 14 days because it's just easier to keep track and gives you that one day, uh, you know, cushion, so to speak. Um, but let's not tempt fate as nurses and let's not, Let's make sure that we're at least seeing them one time a week at a minimum, and I'm going to provide all kinds of arguments in here why your minimum should be at least twice a week when you're starting right away. But it's real hard if you in your organization has a rule that the RN just has to see somebody every 14 days because it doesn't take anything to mess that up. And if you're seeing them every 14 days on Tuesday. And then something bad happens, and you have to go out on Wednesday on the 15th day. Now you've locked yourself into Wednesday, and then eventually you work that down to Friday, and it's just a big mess. So let's not operate in a world that we only see patients every 14 days. Um, <clears throat> but let's, here's a best place to start, and some agencies make this a requirement and some don't. But we should always see a new patient the day after they were admitted, unless, of course, we're the one admitting them. But that's always been my rule of thumb is that I'm going to see a patient the day after they were admitted by our admissions nurse. Even though technically it's not necessary, I will call them. And if they, if they, you know, push me off for whatever reason, because they got something going on, that's fine. But I generally call in the morning and say, hey, I'm James, I'm your case manager, let me come out and see you, and because a lot of times they're waiting for you, they are at home, they just got admitted into the service, their admit nurse has taken care of some of their immediate needs, and, and a lot of times have overwhelmed them with so much information, but they are waiting for you, the nurse who's going to be seeing them on a regular basis, who's going to be in charge of their care, and the best practice that we can get is to see them the day after they're admitted. And obviously if they're admitted on a Friday or a Saturday, you're going to see a Monday. Um, but, and that's why I try to keep my Mondays light by a visit at least so that if we have an admission over the weekend, I can get out there to see them. Um, <clears throat> and, and I wrote this down because I'm seeing this a lot and I'm kind of surprised by it. But I put on here, don't be the nurse who visits the day after an admission and says to themselves, Well, you look okay. I'm going to see you once a week until you start to die. Stay with us. We'll be right back. I have had some members at the hospice nursing community request some kind of a support group to help fight burnout. And so. I have started two burnout support groups at the hospice nursing community.com uh, just to help everybody. And so these support groups meet twice a month on the second Thursday and the second Sunday of the month. And so we're going to be doing that. And I wanted to make sure you understood or knew that these will be faith friendly support groups and it doesn't mean they'll be preaching or anything strange like that but I might use devotionals I might pull something out of the Bible maybe out of Psalms or something but just there might be sections of the uh of the group that deal with matters of faith and and I hope that is of interest to you uh it can be found in the community events uh, section of the community. So if you would consider joining, I think it would help you. It's going to help me. I need it. I think as much as anybody does. So join a burnout support group at the hospice nursing com. And that's a real foreign concept to me, but here in the last few years of my hospice, Experiences, I have seen that actually a lot. And I don't know where this mentality comes from. Maybe these nurses haven't been told anything different, but I'm going to encourage you to not be that kind of nurse, that we should not be taking our patients that we have just met and they look okay to us and decide that they only need to be seen once a week. This person has come into our care because they have had so many changes in the last 6 months to a year that our physician has determined that they have 6 months or less to live regardless of what they look like when you walk in and see them for the first time. You know there's they may be they may look well today because they just spent a week in the hospital getting dierested and have 30 pounds pulled off of them and they're fairly active. And so I refuse to make Polaroid decisions. I just pulled that out of the air. But just this one snapshot picture of somebody smiling and decide, well, they look okay. And my other rule of thumb that goes right along with this as far as I'm concerned is if I take over care for another nurse, I, unless unless I am very familiar because I've seen this patient a lot, but let's say I haven't, or if you've changed companies and you walk in and you take over a caseload for another nurse and all of her patients just get seen once a week or most of them do, which I'm seeing around the community, I will instantly put that patient on twice a week. I will move that whole caseload to twice a week. If I can get by with it, if they'll let me, and start seeing them more often so that I can become super familiar with them and make sure that they are as stable as the other nurse assumed that they were. And so what I have found when these nurses see a patient for the first time and just put them on one time a week, it's high risk to end up failing the patient. And I'll tell you that... It is real easy when you keep somebody at once a week to end up having a lot of surprise deaths on your caseload. And a reminder of the 10% rule, we are going to have surprise deaths. We are going to have patients who skip the whole transition and maybe go active over the weekend and pass or or they're just super high risk and they, they maybe have you know a heart attack or something overnight. But most of the time, If you find yourself having a lot of surprise deaths in the month where you're like, I never even saw that coming and they died so quick, you might not be seeing your patients enough and might not be catching some of the changes that are happening. So I just think it's really important. And and I talk on this show a lot about the most important goal, the most important tool that we have in our toolbox, so to speak, or let's talk nursing bags, since we're nurses, the most important, we have two tools that are very important, and I mention all the time on this show, are in influence and trust, and if your patient has been on service for three months and they've only seen you 12 times, I don't know how much influence and trust you have with that patient because they hardly even know you. They've seen you so few times. I mean, I've taken over for nurses who've had a patient on service for three months and they've seen them nine or 10 times because the LPN went out for him here or there or, or the weekend RN happened to see him and that covered the whole RN thing for whatever reason. And they've, they, the patient barely knows them. And I just want to keep you from being that that nurse um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's not doing our patients any good. And you're actually making your job hard because you don't hardly know your patients. And when they start to decline, they may not be willing to listen to you or the family members may not because you just haven't been there very much. So I really want to caution you against the one time a week business because you can miss a lot and you're not getting a good baseline and you really can't communicate with your patients what could be their prognosis if you see them so little. So I want you to start thinking of hospice like a good book. Okay. And some books are thick and some books are thin as in some of our patients we don't have for very long and some of them we we have for longer and there's different thickness of books but they all have this general flow don't they they all have this general flow and think of taking care of our patients like a book and and the first seven days are like the first few chapters in the book where there's lots of action you're getting introduced to all of the characters in the book you're getting to know everybody they're setting the stage for you they're getting you interested in everybody and then the last seven days are like the last few chapters where that's all of the action it gets super busy there Everybody from the story shows up to accomplish whatever goal or finish out the story. And and that's what hospice is like in its own way. So let's talk about that first seven days in the beginning. And a little rule of thumb I've developed for myself, and 90-10 rule applies, but I try to see new admissions at least three times in the first seven days of service and that is generally not very difficult to pull off it sounds a little crazy at first and all you have to do is is think of it like this if they're admitted on a monday and you see them tuesday and then you see them thursday or let's say friday tuesday friday so they're admitted monday you see them tuesday you see them friday Pop in on Monday and see how the weekend went for them. Did they have any decline? Because you never know when folks are having decline and changes and they don't even bother to call on call in that first week because they're so fresh and so new to everything. So it's not hard to do. If they're admitted on a Wednesday, see them Thursday, Monday, and maybe the following Wednesday, you know. Um, Just find ways to do that when you can. And I realize you can't always do that But there are opportunities where you can try to sneak in that third visit in seven days time. And what a great way to begin to build relationship and help your patient and caregiver feel like you're really attentive to their needs is if in the first seven days you see them three times. And then I always recommend that you keep them at two times per week until they plateau. All right, because because I realize sometimes you can get especially some of our dementia and Alzheimer's, the senile degeneration patients, they it's easy for us as an agency to end up admitting some of those patients early and have them on service for a while. And so if you do decide, okay, we've really plateaued here, maybe my caseload has picked up a lot or the families like OK, what do we do now? And you can kind of feel that they want you to back it down a little. It is OK to go time one time a week on these unless your agency has strict rules against it. But if you are seeing any changes at all, don't don't do this. Keep it at two times a week. Anytime you're seeing changes. um, And. You know, you can, like I said, you can do one time a re- week right out of the gate, and a lot of times that is because the family just is isn't ready for the really end of life conversations, and and maybe they just want some supplies and services, and I realize this can be. A little bit frustrating for us sometimes when you can just kind of get in there and everybody's acting uncomfortable around you and you can just feel in your bones you know in your spirit that they really just want the pads and the wipes and the briefs and the supplies and you can just move on down the road and but let's not complicate things and try to overwhelm them with our presence and and I came up with What I feel like is a good little quote, and I actually made a meme for this and shared it on my Facebook page, my Confessions of a Hospice Nurse Facebook page, and I said, be what your patients want now so you can be what they need later. Stay with us. We'll be right back. If you are new to hospice or considering hospice, then in September of 2022, I created the website for you. I created the hospicenursingcommunity.com. What started out as a simple community has become a large library of video trainings. The hospicenursingcommunity.com now has over 45 video coaching sessions covering subjects such as bedside charting, the hospice comfort kit, the four levels of care how to interview for a hospice job, and so much more. I just completed a seven-part series for case managers, and I'm getting ready to start a series on the PPS scale. The HospiceNursingCommunity.com is available for just $4.99 per month for full access. Head over to the TheHospiceNursingCommunity.com for hope, help, and encouragement. And remember, hospice nursing doesn't get easier. You just get better at it. So let's get better at it together. And to me, that just means that if they just want you one time a week and just need some supplies and they'll still let you obviously do your comprehensive assessment, it's okay. You don't have to stress about that. It's their show. It's what they want it to look like. Just see them one time a week and be pleasant and be quick and and out of there and let that relationship just be what they want it to be. And in my experience, when things start to really change and start to heat up that many times, most of the time, the 9010 rule is if you're consistent and you really provide well for them in the small things, they will begin to trust you in the bigger things. So be what they want now so you can be what they need later and find freedom in the fact they don't want you there a whole lot. Take care of business and move on to the other patients who do need you. There's an ebb and flow in this work. So, you know, don't don't create frustration where you don't need it. Um, So let's talk about maybe in the middle and during the plateau or, you know, you're maybe you're even just seeing them twice a week. But let's talk about some strategies on when to do daily visits, you know, when when it's not. When it's not transitioning or actively dying, patients. When to go ahead and say, "Okay, we need to go ahead and do daily visits for for this patient." Okay, Um, and so I'm just going to go through a few items here and give you some ideas and some thoughts on when you should do daily visits for patients who are not actively dying or transitioning. And the first one that comes to mind, and you might be talking to your uh, phone right now or whatever you're using to listen to the show, but pain crisis, right? If if you're making a visit and having to make a bunch of medication changes because of pain, you should probably stop back in tomorrow and see how they're doing. And I wrote on here that this actually happens a lot at admission, where I've had a lot of patients who came to me from the hospital, and their pain just was not very well managed. And I had to see them every day for the first week that they were on service. Maybe they were admitted on a Tuesday, and I went and saw them Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then popped back in on Monday to make sure everything we did helped and fixed them. And a couple patients come to mind. Um, My buddy Mike, who was in episodes 2 and 3 with me, well, at least, yeah, we talked intentionality and bedside charting, but we did episodes two and three. We had the pleasure of taking care of his aunt. And when we got involved taking care of her, he was just about to have her move in with him because his her pain was so out of control And that she was falling all the time in the house. She was constantly calling him and he was having to drive over and help her. And it was just getting bad. And it was because her pain wasn't controlled. I don't remember what her diagnosis was, but she had some kind of metastatic uh, metastasized to the bone. And so we did visits every day for like the first, the RN case manager. We skipped the weekends. But we did lots of visits all week long and got her got her going on some long-acting morphine, MS-Contin. And after three or four days of working it up and working it up and working it up, we had her pain completely tro- controlled, and she ended up staying at her own home for three months before she had to move in with Mike to get care. And that was, and she was only there with him for a week because she was just stopped eating, was starting to transition. So, if you can make those those visits like that right out of the gate, or when your patient's having big pain control problems, just do those visits. I also got a VA patient who just was not controlled very well, and when he got home, I looked at the hospital records, and they were giving him one half milligram of Dilaudid every four hours for pain. And if you listen to episode 17, well, whichever 16, whichever episode was my last seven days episode in that terrible, I can't even remember the number off the top of my head. But if you listen to that, um, you know, I talk about daily titration of pain meds, but I also talk about conversion. So 0.5 milligram of Dilaudid, Orally, is only 2 milligrams of morphine because it's 4 times as strong, right? Well, that's terrible. This man had very bad pancreatic cancer, and pancreatic cancer can be bad, and they sent him home with a 4 milligram per ml bottle of Dilaudid, so a full ml of that Dilaudid is equal to 16 milligrams of morphine, but they told him you can only give 0.25 milliliters right? Which is like one milligram of dilatid. So that's less than a hydrocodone. I'm sorry, I'm throwing a bunch of math at you, but imagine having severe pancreatic cancer in stage. This guy, this, uh, veteran, hello, veteran of the United States military. He was getting less than a hydrocodone tablet for his pancreatic cancer. So I got orders from my physician that he could have a full milliliter, four milligrams of dilatin every hour as needed for pain. And I told his caregiver that you can continue to give that to him all night and I'll see you in the morning. And he did that. And when I showed up the next morning at 8 a.m., um, he had given him, he hadn't given it to him every single hour, but he had given him a pretty good dose all night long and and he was doing much better in the morning and so I did my math for the last 24 hours and we broke it into an every 4 hour schedule with our breakthrough meds and had him comfortable within 48 hours cuz I also did another visit the next morning to make sure it was going to keep so I just did I did the admit I went and saw him the next morning and the morning after and he was cool And that was it for over the weekend and came back next week. And he was doing much better. He wasn't with us for very long because he was so close to end of life. But they had revoked off of two other hospice providers and been to the hospital and still was sent home without pain control. And that's just unfortunate, especially when we think about our veterans and how much they have given up for us and what we need to do to serve them back. And so that might be a little off topic there. But I think it's just a necessary reminder that let's not let's not become robots doing this work. Let's look at our patient. What is going to be the best for our patient? What do we need to adjust or change in our visit frequencies to best meet their needs? Um, and I can tell you that one time a week, 90% of the time, does not serve our patients well. Um, Another reason to put patients on daily visits are for severe infections that could almost be considered life-threatening. And I had a patient here a few months ago who I came and showed up on a Monday and his jaw had gotten all swollen over the weekend. And I'm like, what is going on over here? And my best guess ended up being that he maybe had a a clogged saliva gland possibly but it was so painful I couldn't touch it you know you can sometimes express those with your you know, put on some gloves and squeeze it back in there to get that saliva gland to break loose but he was in so much misery and so much pain that it was just bad and if I if I remember right we started him on an antibiotic and a steroid the same day and we got it delivered immediately because I was in a panic for the guy because I'm like, it's going to swell up and he is going to it's going to occlude his airway. And so I did daily visits almost that entire week, keeping a close eye on it, drawing some lines around the swelling like it was just important to me um, and to him and just showing up every single day all week long. And he hadn't even been on service for about a month, but just just showing them how important he was and how necessary it was for him to see his nurse every day. Um, I mean, I can keep going down the list of symptoms, but if anything, anytime we make a visit and have to make a lot of changes, we need to be considering the fact we should probably find a way to pop in there the next day and get another look at him, or at least have another one of our nurses. At the very least, let's do a phone call. But it just... Uh, our um, attentiveness and our desire to keep a close eye on things. I mean, isn't that what we're here for, for this work? Aren't we here to customize our care based on what our patient's immediate needs are and to adjust our visit frequencies to make sure that that happens? I believe that it is. I believe that's exactly what we're here for. We're not just here for the last seven days. There's more to this work than that. We're we're here for the middle, too. And and we want the middle to be as good of an experience for our patients as the first seven days or the last seven days. And hospice is about a lot more than just controlling those symptoms in the last seven days. But obviously, that is my kind of my last final point in talking visit frequencies is the importance of the last seven days and making sure that we are there and paying attention so that we can. It's my goal for every single one of my patients to notice that I feel like they are in the last seven days of life as soon as possible so that they can have those frequency of visits from myself. And I have a strict rule of thumb when I've been taking care of a patient is that I if I do have access to an LPN on the jobs when I have had access to an LPN or a float RN whose job is to help us out, I do not send that nurse to care for my patients who are in any kind of crisis. I am the one to take care of my patients in, when they are in a crisis, whether it be the middle of our care with them in some kind of a plateau where they're having a crisis or the last seven days when they're having a crisis, I'm the one to go see them. And I will give away my routine visits for my patients who are in a plateau or quote, stable. I hate that term in hospice, but our patients do stabilize a little. But I'm gonna be the one to handle all the crises for all of my patients because I'm the one that knows them best. I'm the one they trust the best. So it's going to be me. And those last seven days are so important. And when it comes to my patients, I can be a total control freak. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, James is going in there. You can go see Mildred over somewhere else who's doing just fine right now. But I'm going to go see this sick patient because I want to make sure my pain titration is done right. I want to make sure that my Every four-hour scheduled comfort meds are comfort are correct, and I want to have control of that to make sure it's done right. And it's so important to me that daily titration of pain meds, and and I just I'm super passionate about this subject because I now I, um, I'm figuring out how I want to spit this out, but. But I'm just seeing too much of this one-time-a-week business out there, and it really motivated me to make this episode in the last few weeks because I'm running into too many situations where I'm seeing nurses that are just putting all their patients on one time a week. And if you're a huge agency and you've got a big caseload, I understand why you can only, you personally can only see all your patients one time a week. But if you have a small caseload and you're working for a small little hospice, maybe, and you've only got nine or ten patients because that happens out there, and they're all just one time a week, can I encourage you to re-examine that and see if there's something more that you can bring of yourself to your caseload? And I'm not here to be super critical of anybody, maybe a little. But but this is hospice, and it's more more than just about the last seven days of life. We're here to provide more than death care, so much more. And to me, some of the more that we provide is enjoyable. It's some of that companionship and friendship that they need. And just the support to the caregivers or support to the facility staff. I, I can't imagine having a facility that I only go to one day a week. I, I I can't do that at all. I've taken over facilities before where the nurse just goes in there one day a week and I change it immediately and I'm going twice a week. Even if even if the second visit is ten, fifteen twenty minute visits because the patient really doesn't need something immediate from me just just getting to know the staff better and for them to see you frequent that door more often and it just provides some peace i've i'm i'm working with a facility right now and and I'm loving it. I'm loving getting a chance to know the nurses and to help them out with my patients and make sure the nurses needs are met along with the patients needs are met. And, and I'm schmoozing them at the desk and, and we're laughing and we're carrying on and just building that relationship with them for the benefit of the patient that we take care of together and just kind of cultivating a little bit of a family environment between myself and them and a patient. And that's just going to serve the patient so well and serve the facility well. And so I just don't believe in going into facilities one time a week. And, you know, if you've got a teammate that you work with and you've got an LPN and you guys can gang up and make sure everybody gets twice a week visits between the two of you, that's even better because both of you are building that relationship week in and week out. And either one of you can meet those needs because they're getting familiar with both of you. So, I mean, I hope that helps. It's, you know, it's 25, 30 minutes of my own opinion, which I'm an expert on, um, just sharing with you some of my thoughts. And so, so now I want to talk a little bit about the community and and when I when I talk about the community I'm going to do it at the end of the show for people who are interested in it and those of you who aren't interested can just move right along and check out the next episode or whatever or get about your day but um you know the podcast finally has a sponsor and it's me. <laughs> and dot com, and I do have a bit of a an announcement to make to everybody. Uh, that I haven't talked about on the show yet, even though I've released a couple episodes and, and this has been coming, but I have left my leadership role and gone to case management back to what it is I love and just taking care of patients. And, and I've been doing it for a little bit here and I am just loving it. I am just enjoying being in and out of people's homes again of and I mean, I've I've always had some amount of a caseload, but now I have a caseload and my job is RN case manager. And one of the reasons that I did that was so that I could invest more in you through this hospice nurse training website that is starting to grow now because of my announcement two weeks ago. And I don't know, we got over 20 members in there running around and and just sharing with each other and helping each other out, talking about some of the challenges we're facing with our patients and and allowing us to help each other. And so as a reminder, our first workshop is coming up October 22nd, 2022. The free 14 day trial is still in effect, and I'm going to leave it that way for a little while longer. And so on October 22nd at 9 a.m., we are going to be doing a Zoom training with some examples on the end-of-life titration of medications. And and I've got some other forms I'm going to be handing out that I don't want to try to hand out from the website because they really involve training. So these items are not really free to just be sent out to you guys because without attending this training and getting some real good one-on-one coachings there's just not a good way to show you how to use these forms to really help our patients and so um you know if you you want to go back to the end of life training thing and and make your own forms that's fine but these forms are really for the members of the community to be able to use with patients and so we're going to do this training coming up and and if you can't make the trainings everything i do at hospicenursetraining.com is recorded and uploaded back to the website to be consumed later so you can join this community and just consume the content because every single week something is going on we have the monthly recertification roundtables where we zoom meeting together and we review patients that you might be struggling to recertify but we also have weekly Monday evening zoom meetings to Talk about either podcast episodes with questions that you have from the episodes or just to discuss kind of like an open phone Monday where we can just talk about the patients we're caring for. We can talk about strategies for end of life care or whatever challenges you're facing right now in the world of hospice, even if you just need some encouragement. And if you don't join because of me, because I don't have all the answers, all the answers we all have all the answers, all of us together. But if you don't join because of me, join because of Mo. Now, Mo is a person who, and she is a part of com, and she has been just absolutely incredible and me and her had exchanged some emails prior to her joining the group but now that we're getting to work alongside each other so to speak throughout the day and we're, we're posting questions in the group because um, we have all the different disease categories and you can go into the category and create your own post and thread in there to share your concerns or whatever it is you're challenging with and the stuff that mo is coming up with is just fantastic and she has a different perspective and she even shared how she handles her visit frequencies and it was it was so eye-opening for me it was such good information and I know it's going to be helpful to all the other listeners or all the other members of the group as she laid out her strategy that is very um, organizationally based and that's why I did the the You know the deal at the beginning of the show when I talked about agency policy because she laid it all out and it's really solid and I think what I enjoy the most about Mo is just how humble she is in all of it like she has all this great information and sharing it with us but also she's just a sponge wanting to learn from us as well and we're all just in there learning from each other and giving each other encouragement and it's just been absolutely beautiful. So I really hope you will consider joining hospicenursetraining.com. There's a video on the landing page. I'm probably going to have that video changed here soon to probably show you a little bit more of the inside for the people who are watching. You can watch the video and it's me telling you why you need to join. But I'm going to recreate that video and show you some clips from the inside of the community so that you can get an idea of what you're missing in there. So if you visited and are just kind of thinking about it you should visit again very soon because i'm going to be redoing the video to give you a sneak peek of the inside so thank you for letting me ramble on that a little bit but this is important we can't do this alone we can't do this alone we need each other we need each other in a special and intimate way and i'm willing to be the host i don't have all the answers got a few of them But mostly I'm just here to help and to help draw this community closer to each other. So, hey, would you take some time to leave a review of the show? Just whatever app you're using, if you happen to be using uh, Stitcher or Apple, whatever it is you're using, Google, um, will you leave a review and not just click stars, but leave an actual real review? I'd appreciate it also i don't have like an official mailing list but if you visit visit confessions of a hospice slash subscribe you can still get everything into your inbox right away you should still call me at eight one six eight three four nine one nine one or email me at james at confessions of a hospice let me know what you think of the show or ask me any questions or give me a show idea i'd love it This has been fun, you guys. Thank you for letting me rant and rave here a little bit on visit frequencies. It's an important subject. It's an important subject. We need to be there for our patients as much as we humanly can within the bounds of our workday. This has been episode 19 of the Hospice Nursing Podcast for October 2nd, 2022.